Welcome to The Shiv Show, where we are all about people getting to know people. We are here to humanize the individual behind their brand and share their story with the world, with, of course, a few laughs in the mix. Now, it's time for your host, Australia's most Canadian podcaster, and just like the knife, Shivran. What is happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Shiv Show, where we're all about people getting to know people. Now, in this episode, we get to meet Luke Power who I had the absolute pleasure of meeting a few months ago. To say Luke is an inspiration is a total understatement. I mean, this guy has defied the odds in so many different areas of his life. I want you to especially listen to Luke's corporate journey and how he made the big moves that he's made, his messaging around cancer, and so much more. I hope you enjoyed this one. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Forgot the word for a second. (laughs) Without further ado... Here is Luke Power, a.k.a. The Powerhouse. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Shiv Show. I'm sitting down with a man that I had the pleasure of meeting a few months back, and let me tell you, the respect level is pretty high. So, Luke, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks, Shiv. Pleasure to be here. Awesome, awesome. How's your day? Fantastic. Uh, Friday, so end of the week. Uh, Really excited about that. Had a really good week uh, this week, so really happy. Great week. There we go. Luke, I usually like to ask people to tell me about themselves first, but I did some research on you earlier in the week, and uh, every single thing that I can find about you talks about your leadership skills. So tell me exactly, you know, what does leadership mean to you? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it sounds simplistic, but for me, Shiv, uh, leadership is something that I have a huge passion for. Um, and, you know, about 10 years ago, I got the opportunity to, to start managing people. Mm-hmm. Um at first, I thought I was going to be terrible at it. I was just thrown into it. And, you know, it pretty much is the is the, the main thing that I enjoy, enjoy about my, you know, my career. Um, I've got this bit of a, a bit of an analogy, I guess, where, you know, when you go home at night uh, and you sit there with your spouse, kids, grandparents, whoever it may be, and they typically ask you how your day is. And, you know, metaphorically, I try to get my name into that conversation yeah. without being there, without knowing that I'm being talked about or not. Um, my goal is for my team to go home later at night and, you know, I'd like to think I have some sort of impact on their day in a positive way. So that's that's in a simple format what really drives me. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Kind of kind of be a part of their life when you're not even there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good, good. Well, why don't you just jump in and tell us a little about Luke Power? Yeah, I'm a simple guy. I'm southwestern you know, Sydney boy. Uh, you know, Grew up uh, a sister, um, but um, I guess these days I'm a, I'm a dad, um, six-year-old boy, Oliver, three-year-old girl, Miller, and you know pretty much um, the things that consume my life these days are, are quite simple. Um, work, trying to be the best that I can be there, uh, and just family life. Um, anyone who understands, so as a parent, six-year-old and three-year-old, uh, they pretty much consume whatever life you, you have. So... Um, you know, that's me in a nutshell. Um, massive um, NRL Penrith Panthers fan. Um, and, is, that, uh, is that a good thing? Or uh, well, we're, we're just about to go into the final series and they're, and they're not looking too good. So, you know, um, we'll see over the weekend. But uh, tragic Penrith Panthers fan and uh, extreme uh, gadget fan, I think. You know, we'll probably talk about a little bit about later on. But um, gadgets um, are probably what what drives me yeah. technology which is I guess has a little bit to do with the the job that I'm in awesome yeah Luke when we first met you struck me as a guy who obviously takes your career pretty seriously 
can you just t- touch on your occupation? Yeah, sure. So I'm the uh, regional manager for New South Wales Commercial at uh, a Cisco, and uh, my job ultimately is to uh, you know uh, sell and um, talk to customers and partners about our solutions. But I'm also um, the leader for a team of about 15 sales reps uh, in New South Wales. Would you consider yourself more of a people manager? Definitely. I, I, I think gone are the days where the big bad manager comes down and. and you know, cracks you down with a stick yep. or yep. or is that manager in the ivory tower? Uh, my style is uh, I, I very much like to think that I'm in the trenches with my guys, um, providing the two-way street where they can really have a conversation with me about what's going on in their life. Um, and, and that's my management style. I'm a huge fan of the one-on-one. So every fortnight, I have a one-on-one with, with all my guys uh, across, the, across the region. That's extremely important for me because it, it's, it captures exactly what's going on in their life, what they're thinking or feeling. I'm a firm belief that if you don't have those type of engagements, then you find out too late. And uh, I guess that's the type of manager that I, that I am. It also humanizes you as a manager, I think. Yeah, I right? mean... The, the one-on-ones for sure. Yep. It shows you're a human being, shows you care about you know, who that person is and who that person is working for you, right? Yeah, at the end of the day, we're just all trying to get to one goal. And you know, I'm just... If I use my NRL football analogy, I'm just the coach of this football team, right? Yeah. I'm not um, dictating or driving... Um, you know, any, any other sort of agenda. So um, it's what I like to do. Um, I'm able to relate really easily once I can, you know, achieve that with the team. And, and it's a two-way street from then on. You know, we, we've, we've, we have each other's backs and, and we drive business that way. Yeah. Did you play any rugby football as a, as a child? I didn't. Uh, well, I did play soccer. Uh, and, but I'm a, um, I guess, I wouldn't call myself a huge sports fan, fan but the, the sports that I do like, I'm heavily invested in. So... Um, you know, big American sports fan. I, I love the NBA, in particular basketball. Um, my team's the New York Knicks, Knicks um, which, yeah. yeah, again, a bit I'm of surprised a surprise. It's of not a, the, the Warriors. No, no, yeah, I didn't Australian jump on that bandwagon. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but um, I think I wouldn't call myself a, a diehard sports fan. But again, like I said, Shiv, the, the sports I think that I like, I really heavily invest in. They almost, you know, borderline take on, um, take over my life. Um, uh, yeah. Awesome. Tell me about your uh, your upbringing. Yeah, so um, I guess personally and professionally, uh, you know, grew up, like I said, in southwest Sydney, um, really uh, hated school, uh, ha- hated it. Uh, I think, you know, I said this the other day to someone, I'm um, just jokingly, that I think the reason why um, I, I've had an okay career is just because I couldn't wait to get out of school. Yeah. Um, went to school, uh, again, sort of me- mediocre, I couldn't wait to, to get out of school. Um, had a really uh, hardworking dad. I think that has a lot to, to say about my work ethic. Yeah. Uh, never saw my dad take a sick day ever uh, really? growing up as a kid. I, uh, I think that's actually. really, yeah. really, uh, really, stu- stu- you know, really stuck with me as I sort of go through my work ethic. Um, you know, he uh, worked really hard, um, didn't have the best up- upbringing himself, um, and had a bit of a tough life himself. Uh, and I think just looking at him, uh, you know, being a dad or a father has really helped me and built built that work ethic. Um, always knew that I was I wanted to be in computers and IT. I think that's the biggest thing that's helped me. And and when I speak to younger sort of um, people that are trying to come through and uh, yeah, I guess develop their careers, the biggest challenge that I face these days when I speak to those type of people are they just don't know what they want to do. They might do a finance finance degree, but then just you know want to go into a marketing career yeah well why did yeah. you do a finance degree because oh, my you know my parents said so exactly so yeah. you know i think once you really find out what you want to do in your career it makes it so much easier i knew my dad bought me a computer at the age of seven um and i wanted to play my computer games so badly 
Uh, back then, uh, computers weren't as easy to operate as what they are. You had to configure certain files, you had to buy certain hardware, you had to have the latest video card or mm-hmm. sound card. And I really worked hard to, I guess, get my games working to the point where I'd pull apart my computer, rebuild my PC. I was going to ask, yeah, did you, yeah. did you do the whole rebuilding? I've, I've tried that before. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, and, and, and my dad and I, I guess that was something that we did together. Mm-hmm. And, um, you yeah, know, again, build a bit of a relationship together doing, doing hobbies that we love. But from the get-go, I mean, there were only two things that I really wanted to do in my career. And, you know, one of them was building computers or working with hardware or in the IT industry. The second was being a football com- commentator. And yeah, I knew yeah. that was, you know, going to be harder. So I <laughs> uh, went down the path of, of working in IT, um, got to my high school years. And uh, at the end of high school, um, again, my dad really helped me, uh, went to went to do my HSC, got a really good TER, which is um, for those younger younger listeners, I guess, the, the score you need to get into university. Okay. And back then, uh, 10, 15 years ago, um, computer courses uh, at university were all around software, computer science, mm-hmm. code, and I hated code. You I hated, hated the software hated side. Well. It, just, yeah. it just didn't interest me. It was just like maths. Yep. Um, it, it was just not something that I enjoyed. But it was the only course at university that was available. Mm-hmm. And so my dad, a bit of a sort of a crossroads moment, he said, why, why are you going to university? Why, why are you... Um, doing something that you don't love. And I kind of thought I, that was something that I had to do. That's something that my parents expected me to do, go to uni after after high school. And that was a bit of an aha moment for me because it realised then that um, that I probably should look at other options. Yep. Um, that very weekend, my dad took me around to Parramatta in Western Sydney. I printed out my resume. Uh, back then, there were about 12 or 13 computer stores in Parramatta. My dad just drove me around in a car Yep. And I went in um, each each computer each store. Each computer store says, "Hey, I'm you know I'm a, I'm a 17, 18 year old, really wanting to learn, really wanting to do well, um, really want to be in this industry, in this career. Here's my resume. If there's a role that comes up, then let me know." So you um, knew from from that young that you wanted to be in computers. Yeah, I just think uh, I don't know what spiked that. I just I just really maybe it was because that was just everything for me, uh, yeah. and maybe the all the other options weren't there, and I just uh, yeah just really wanted to know I really knew what I wanted to do and I think that's what if there's one thing that catapulted my career it's it's just knowing what I wanted to do yeah. which is half the half the struggle that a lot of people have these days mm-hmm. yeah. so I, I talk to a lot of a lot of students that are not yet in university and almost every single time I talk to them they don't know what they want to do so what advice do you have for students you know the younger listeners uh, that don't really know what they want to do they don't have it in their mind. Yeah. So uh, so about three or four years ago, um, I went to do an MBA uh, only because um, the company that I was working with at the time suggested that I should do it and they were paying for it. So mm-hmm. I thought, hey, I'll go uh-huh. and do it. Um, and what I found there was there, there was a lot of people that were doing an MBA, uh, two reasons, I think, to, to, to get a pay rise. And the second thing is um, just to basically uh, get, the, get the MBA and get a promotion but also do what their parents may have suggested them to do. And I think for me, my advice would be find out what you love, find out what you're passionate about. Um, the best experience is doing a job that doesn't even seem like a job. Mm-hmm. And that's what I felt like. You know, we all have our tough days at work, but yep. that's how I felt at a you know, general point of view over my last 10 or 15 years. So I think finding out what you love to do and doing that is key. Uh, I think uh, you've got to work out uh, also, when you're you're looking at uh, certain careers, what really is going to be um, is going to give you um, some 
I guess some some durability out there in the market. Our market is changing so much, and I, you know, I heard something the other day that said by 2020. 55% of being a doctor will be able to be done online. And so I think about some of the conversations I need to have with my son in wow. 10 years' time yeah. about what careers they want to go down and, and what paths they want to do. So I think it's finding out what you uh, what you love to do, what you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, you've got to live through your career, not anyone else around you. And I think um, doing what you really love to do and and going for it is probably the key advice I would give. Yeah. You're, you're obviously a very experienced a knowledgeable person in the IT industry? Eight companies in the past 10, 15 years? I mean, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned? Oh, definitely, um, especially our industry in Australia, it's very small. Um, You've got to really uh, build your reputation, your brand. We might be working for various companies, but at the end of the day, you know, Shiv, you're working for your brand, I'm working for for my brand, and, and it's the brand that you carry to these companies that's worthwhile. You've really got to make the companies that you work for um, you know, become a platform for for elevating that brand. So I think that's important. Uh, I think <clears throat> if I look at what I've learned, it, you've got to respect everyone, no matter what role they're in. I see so many people when they get elevated in roles or promoted, really looking down on various other people that are in their roles, mm-hmm. only to know that um, those those people later on become your manager and, and, and yeah. or in an influential yeah. position. I guess the perfect example of this is. Uh, I left the company, uh, made a decision to move to another company, and then three months later, that company was acquired by that same company. So, my my boss, you know, six months prior to that, became my uh, my, my my new boss. Wow! And, and so, boss. yeah, correct. And so, I think you never burn bridges. Yep. Uh, always uh, respect the people that are around you. Mm-hmm. Um, leverage the people around you. As a leader, you never know everything. You've got to learn from your team. Um, I like that. I, I like um, my, 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 especially if I come into a new role, I am the sponge. The best piece of advice I got is be the sponge. Don't come in and really lay down your, your, your new rules because you don't know how that new, new career or new company operates. Mm-hmm. You've got to listen to your team who have perhaps been there for two, 10, 12 years yeah. and leverage some of the things that they can teach you. So okay. I think that's what I've learned. Just be respectful for everyone. It's a small industry yep. and you've got to really... Um, Really look after that. So, Luke, you're you're a very young regional manager. How did you get to How did you get to be you know a regional manager at Cisco? Uh, so, you know, I worked at Cisco ten years ago, 10, 12 years ago, uh, and it was the best experience I've had. Um, and I always wanted to get back here one day. Uh, I guess what I needed to do at that young age of twenty five is build experience and, mm-hmm. and go outside and do some some other roles. Uh, and I left Cisco. And uh, had another company, uh, Nortel, knocking on my door there. Yep. Um, uh, prior to that, I've always had a bit of luck in my career. So, you know, if you look back, I might go back a couple of years or a few years before that. Uh, didn't go to uni, um, but loved computers, loved the internet. And I got onto this program called Internet Relay Chat IRC. And it's still around, but not many people know about it these days. Yep. And I went into a help chat room and I, and I was asked a technical question. And I, and I answered that question. And then that person privately messaged me and said, you answered that question really well. Would you like uh, to come in for an interview? And so at the young age of 18, 19, I basically went in, did the interview, um, interviewed really well. He said, you've interviewed really well. Uh, would you like to come in and um, work for us one day? We'll see how you go. And if you're good, if you're good we'll give you the job. Uh, and went into this computer store in the corner of Castlereagh and Hay Street in the city. Back in the days where there were 20, 30 computer stores around and uh, this guy, he uh, was a sole business owner, computer shop, 
uh, taught me technically how to build computers, build networks, put them together. But the most important thing he taught me was to how to sell or how to build relationships. You learn very quickly if the customer left the store based in the city where they were, you were going to lose the sale. So you had to keep the customer in the store in an appropriate manner, uh, learn how to sell and close the deal there on the spot. Mm-hmm. And so up until that point, I wanted to be a technician or some sort of engineer in computers. And at that very moment, I started to realize how how pivotal sales were, was and how much I liked it yeah. and what the opportunities were. And uh, you know, he was of Chinese descent, so he would travel back and forth. And so at the young age of 18 or 19, I got to run my own, run a business that wasn't mine, but well, seemed like yeah. my, my own. And, at 18, 19 years old. Yeah, and sort of work with suppliers and distributors and, and uh, you know, customers. And I got to learn the whole value chain of the IT industry really early. And so that was obviously an experience that you could never buy anywhere else. And so I did that for two years. And after that, um, had a distributor, an IT distributor knocking on my door and saying, saw you in the, in, the, in the PC store, would you like to come for a job? And uh, I then went to work for this IT distributor, uh, Blue Chip Infotech, and uh, I did many product management roles there, but uh, I was um, the first Linksys product manager in the country and uh, got to talk to customers about networking products again, routers, switches, and those, and those type of things. I did that for six years, and what's funny is that I, I really... Uh, commend and respect people who've worked in the distribution business in mm-hmm. IT because you're working with so many different levels of, of, of customers and management. You exactly. could be talking to warehouse guys, CEOs, CIOs, account receivable, payable. And so actually when I'm looking for people to hire, um, if they've got distribution experience on their resume, it's actually... It's kind of a light bulb. It yeah. stands out for me yeah, for and sure. I really respect that. So learned so much. I worked there for six years, actually met my wife there. We uh, we worked in the same cubicle area for about three or four years, which is a whole different story. To win, yeah, yeah. But got to got to meet her there. Um, I went uh, and then went over to Microsoft mm-hmm. uh, for three months, and um, I guess was my first experience into software. Uh, really enjoyed it, but uh, at this, I guess another pivotal moment, the team leader of the Microsoft team went over to Cisco, and uh, again, networking was always my passion. If you yep. go back to the computer store days. And I just thought this this is a natural fit for me. Uh, went over to Cisco and uh, became an inside sales rep mm-hmm. uh, for two years, supporting Western Australia and South Australia. Got to learn so much about the corporate enterprise type of world. If you sort of look at what I was doing before then, just very much worked with sort of mums and dads and um, and SMBs. But this was the first time into the, really the, the mid-market or the enterprise slash commercial space. And so... Did really well there, really loved my time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was such a great team environment. Yeah. We achieved our numbers. We did so, you know, back then the CEO, John Chambers, you know, work hard, play hard. Yeah. Now, that is what I remember. And we did exactly that. We smashed our number. We had a team of about eight or nine 25-year-olds, and we were just enjoying life. And the culture and, was probably amazing as well. Yeah, we laughed so hard that there were tears rolling down yeah. our eyes. And at the same time, we're closing, you know, huge, significant, you know, Opportunities and really making a huge impact Celebrate to customers, together. and such a great time. And I knew, I guess, that I always wanted to get back there. Yep. But I also knew that I needed to get some experience if I was going to come back. And mm-hmm. so, uh, left Cisco and went to one of the biggest Canadian companies out there, Nortel, yep. and uh, and worked very hard in the SMB business. Uh, it's different when you go from, I guess, Cisco being the number one leader in the industry to a challenger company. Mm-hmm you really learn a different type of sales method. So, you know, at Cisco, you kind of back then were expected to win every deal. Mm-hmm. 
Nortel, you won one deal against Cisco and you were a hero. Yeah. And so yeah. different type of mentality, different type of sales, uh, sales cycle. And so did that for about two years and got to know some really good people, got to know a different type of industry in that voice, traditional voice industry. Uh, and, you know, again, had a little bit of a pivotal lucky moment in my career where Nortel went to Chapter 11. Yep. Uh, chapter 11, I guess, a form of US bankruptcy, really hard to sell when your company's in Chapter 11. Yeah, so I learned exactly. a whole different type of sales um, sales methodology there again. But I had a, another company, Avaya, knocking on my door and uh, had to make a decision. Loved Nortel, but Avaya was going, uh, Nortel was going to Chapter 11 and I had uh, an opportunity with Avaya. Made a decision to go to Avaya and then three, two or three months later, uh, Avaya acquires Nortel. Yeah. So that's, you know, when I talk about Shiv there, I guess the, the burning bridges. bridges yeah. And, um, you know, I got to know the Nortel business world really well. Mm-hmm. And then I already had a head start in the Avaya business world. So, again, yeah, it's a lucky moment, but, you know, you make your own luck sometimes. And uh, that really just catapulted my career at Avaya by doing several different roles. Uh, I got to run, you know, Australian, New Zealand distribution. I uh, got to become the channel director and manage the team of, of channel uh, account managers for the, you know, first time. And I had a lot of, exp- you know, I got the opportunity again then to to do an APAC role, which is a great experience. I managed about 12 reps, uh, 12 people who were managing distribution uh, across nine or 10 different countries, traveled a lot, got to see how different types of companies operate in different countries, mm-hmm. which is, you know, if anyone has the opportunity out there to to really get some experience outside of Australia, I think it's so worthwhile and so good for the resume. Yep, um, for sure. And so I definitely recommend that. Uh, I got to be COO for Avaya as well, which is kind of like a you know, second in charge. Yep. Um, I've had so many good managers, and I think that's the other thing as well. I haven't had one bad manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had about six or seven managers. They have all been influential in their own way. Uh, all of them different, but yep. all of them have brought something to me, which um, talk learning. about my leadership. It's all learning kinda, experience too. Yeah, I think, you, you, you know, um, they would probably hate me saying this, but you, you learn what they've done well but you also learn what they haven't done well mm-hmm. and you learn not to do those things. Exactly, and, no, uh, that's the way of life. Yeah, and I think that uh, I've had, uh, I have had different types of bosses culturally as well, which I think ha- helps. I've had a, a German boss, which you know stro- showed me the discipline in the numbers yeah. and forecasting and, and how to really run a business and, 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 and business rigor. I've had an American boss who um, taught me a lot of customer lessons, you know, Americans for me are probably um, some of the hardest working people I've experienced, but also just great salespeople. Um, I've had an Irish boss in the security world where, you know, one of the best closes I've seen, you know, end of quarter, deals get done. Um, and I've had, you know, other bosses that have taught me, you know, the, you know, the people buy from people, you know, more the human element side mm-hmm. of things. Um so, you know, I had some, some great experience there. Uh, got to be managing director for Avaya at, uh, at, the, at a young age, uh, 32, I think it was. Got to run a country, and that's what I enjoy doing. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed the pressure of the numbers. Mm-hmm. I, enjoyed of ha- I enjoyed having the weight of the country on your shoulders. I enjoyed people coming into my office and telling me about all their problems. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I don't really, yeah, not everyone can do that. Yeah, I just having re- that pre- imagine having yeah. the country pressure on your shoulders. Oh. You like it. Yeah, and I think yeah. you know again when you're uh, private equity uh, mm-hmm. is a different type of, of business to work for. And uh, as I've talked to a lot of people already, a lot of people shy away from having to commit numbers. Um, when you're working for private equity and, you know, the main intention of private equity, equity really is to 
buy businesses, make them look great, mm-hmm. and then sell them off in a better condition. And when you're trying to do that, you're trying to get the most, you know, you're trying to squeeze that lemon as hard as you can exactly. and get the most juice out of it. And I think, you know, I've done all different types of extreme things around numbers like daily commits where 9am you're calling a number to your boss and then 4pm you're reviewing what you delivered and what you, you know, what you haven't delivered. Yeah. Um, I've dealt with so many resource challenges where, you know, someone you know moves on and, and you, you don't backfill that position, you take on their role and mm-hmm. so you end up with four or five different roles. And I think... Um, you know, you could say that was a really tough, that, that's a really tough thing, thing to do. But um, in hindsight, it has helped me so much yeah. with having to handle other other tasks and, and jobs. Um, I was really not wanting to leave Cisco 10 years prior. But yeah. in hindsight, it was obviously the right thing to do. It, it it's was hard probably to one that. of the best things to do. And now, uh, yeah. now you're back here. If I was, you know, if I, yeah, back here. And, and if I was at Cisco for the last, 10 years, you know, some would say maybe I wouldn't be in the same role. So I think all those things and going out there and doing those things uh, really helped me. Mm-hmm. I, I left Avaya and I went to McAfee or Intel Security. Yep. Again, went into the realm of uh, running a channel across Australia and New Zealand um, for a security company, which is an interesting industry in itself. A very immature industry, but immature in a great way where there's so much opportunity to help our customers and our partners understand what are the challenges out there and what technology companies like ourselves are trying to do to help customers. So, um, yeah, I just, it, it just, it's been a lot of luck, like I said, but a lot of hard work to get, to get here. And yep. then, you know, like you said, now, now it's Cisco and, and loving it. There you go. And, yeah. and I feel like, you know, just, just doing some research on you, I wrote a couple of words down and these ones spat out to me and it was, it was repeated many times in many of the recommendations, organized, focused, dedicated, driven, motivated, embedded, these are what people have to say about you. Yeah. So you've obviously made a big impact in their life. Um, you know, I want to talk about adversity. And, you know, you've, you've had some challenges in your life in the past and obviously a major one being being cancer. Yeah. Do you mind touching on that topic? Yeah, sure. So 2007, I uh, got married in January to my wife and, um, you know, uh, went on a honeymoon to Europe. Everything was great. Looking mm-hmm. forward to a, a fantastic life moving forward. And... Um, August, uh, I guess, you know, start of August, uh, a couple of things happened. You know, in our family, August is deemed kind of a, a bit of an unlucky month for us. Yep. Um, but our grandfather passed away in the first week. And then two weeks later, uh, actually, when I left uh, Cisco and was on a bit of gardening leave in between the Cisco and Nortel opportunity, mm-hmm. um, was having a shower and uh, noticed on my left inner thigh a six, a six centimeter lump. lump and uh, Really thought nothing of it at the time. Went to see my GP. Uh, he just said, look, it's probably just a bit of fluid or a, uh, um, some, somewhere where you've hit it. Uh, and But he said, look, we better get it checked out mm-hmm. and uh, referred me to uh, a doctor in uh, RPA Hospital in Sydney. Uh, referred us to the cancer clinic, which in, it, in itself was a little bit worrying because, you know, and- yeah, the word cancer, um, you, you, you know, you think, well, everything's fine with me. Why am I going to the cancer clinic to get checked up? And I remember quite que- uh, clearly, and this is, you know, 10, you know 10, 10 years ago now, my wife and I sitting in the, um, in the waiting room, still laughing, making jokes, completely happy. Uh, yep. This was after I'd had done a biopsy and um, they'd used a needle to extract um, you know what was that, what was ever in this lump, and was just about to get the results, and went into the room, and and what's really scary, probably the scariest moment of my life, is not one doctor comes in, 
six doctors come in and they come in with a recording device and automatically it hits you that something's quite serious here. Wow. Really? And, uh, and you know, it's, it's, he basically said, look, we, we know it's cancer. And what's even more scary is that we don't know what type of cancer it is. It could either be a uh, lymphoma or sarcoma. Uh, lymphoma, I guess, you know, one of the most treatable cancers out there. It's a, it's a blood cancer. But sarcoma is, you, you don't come back from sarcoma. You pretty much, I uh, think the chances of survival are about 8%. Wow. And so uh, I, I burst into tears. Uh, first time in my life where I didn't feel like I was in control. Yep. And uh and uh, totally out of control and, uh, and, you know, really leaning on people around me to, to try and work it out. And so what happened in the next three or four days were just a series of tests to really determine what it was. And, you know, uh, from, a, from a positive perspective, it was the, the lesser cancer, uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma, which okay. you really lean on other people. I guess the worst thing you can do is look on the internet whenever something like this yeah, happens. Yeah, it's the worst <laughs> thing to do. You know, yeah. I do it today even when my wife's like uh, trying to look up stuff that my kids might have a rash or something like that. I'm like, you know, do not go on the internet. <laughs> do not try and be a Google doctor, doctor right? Exactly. I think it's the worst thing you can do. But, um, you know, um, that, that's that's the, the, the uncertainty that you have. And, and over the next couple of days, uh, did a few more tests and it was determined that it was Hodgkin's lymphoma. And you look for other people that have had it as well. So, you know, Delta Goodrum, who's an Australian, famous Australian singer, she had had that disease yep. Yep. two or three years before. So I, you know, I kind of leveraged and looked at other people that have gone through it and come out the other side okay. Yep. And um, I guess something which Chip probably tells you about my personality, I, I never thought at any point in time that I was going to something really bad was going to happen. Um, well, that, that was my next question. I yeah. mean, did, did death ever cross your mind? No, it didn't. And I think, um, you know, it, it, what my, I've got a, uh, my super strength is, I guess, my ability to distract uh, myself from various things. And so I leveraged on um, a lot of things to get me out of that time. I leveraged on my work. Uh, I didn't take too many days off. I mean, what happened was once they determined it was Hodgkin's lymphoma, um, a series of about six months worth of chemo and you know, I'd have my chemo at, on Friday, be sick on the weekend, and then back back to work on Monday. And uh, I kind of wow. did that for six months. And I think it sounds crazy, but that actually got me out. You know, I kind of imagine myself, going back to look at my dad and his work ethic, if I would have taken six months off during that time, um, I think that probably would have done more damage to me than actually getting through and working and distracting myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a huge support system at Nortel. Uh, one of the things that I, hu- I believe it makes me you know, want to be a great people manager is the experience I had in that two weeks of gardening leave. So you know, I leave Cisco. I've got a new job waiting for me at Nortel. I find a lump in between that. I've been diagnosed with cancer. And I have to call my new boss who I really don't know and tell him I've got cancer. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, I didn't know what to expect. I thought... Um, am I still going to have my job? You know, obviously trying to work out how you pay bills and those type exactly. of things. And this guy uh, said to me, don't worry, uh, get through it, do what you need to do, come to work as per, as per normal as you can, and, uh, and, 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 and we'll go from there. And mm-hmm. uh, to this day, I still have a, a, a relationship with him. I respect him um, ultimately. He probably doesn't know the impact to the extent that he has had on me. Yep. Yep. But that's, the, yeah. That's the type of manager, the type of support manager that I want to be for my guys, and that's really driven me over the last last ten years. I I, I remember my wife my wife driving me on my first day to work, and we were driving to North Ryde where the Nortel office was. Had my chemo on Friday. I'm literally throwing up in the gutter on the way to work. Uh, first day of work. Yeah. So um, you know, adversity has been there. Um, 
uh, got through that. So, you know, as as you start to have your chemo, what's extremely amazing is the tumor, you can feel the tumor dissolving straight away. Mm-hmm. The, the impact this chemo has is is huge um, to the point where you don't, you know, it kills everything else in your body as well. Obviously, you lose the hair and you have to deal with that, but, you know, you... you you, you, it loses your potential and inability to have kids, which is something that in the first year of marriage, my wife and I desperately wanted to do. So mm-hmm. you look at other, other methods as well. Um, and so, again, had a great team in RPA looking after me, a great pr- professor who's retired now, but um, you don't forget the people that really help you. And you, you also look at uh, all the other people that are doing it much tougher than you. I think that's the other thing that I learned. You know, whilst mine was a, a semi-treatable type of cancer, there are people that are there for nine, ten hours laying on a bed because of the dosage of chemo that they have to take. And I, you know, my chemo was three hours a day, mm-hmm. relatively easy compared to those guys. So you learn um, how, how uh, you learn how well you've got it. Uh, and you, you, I guess from a professional perspective as well, we deal with the stresses that we have, we, you know, chasing orders and numbers and yep. in a sales organisation like we do. And I'm not saying that... Um, that takes a back seat in what I'm trying to do, but it definitely, you know, one of the comments or feedback that I get from everyone that I meet is, Luke, you're so calm. Uh, and I think that has a lot to do with it. When, you, when you've been, um, when you've had it really tough, everything else becomes quite easy. And it, it you know, I've, I've often given advice to people after my experience and it just, in every case, it's made people um, a stronger person uh, further on down the track. Um, how yeah. did you, how did you, like, I'm just, I'm so shocked that you're, yeah. you're such a positive person. Yeah. And you went through all of this again, challenges and adversity. How did you, how did you see the light at the end of the tunnel, as in, in, in terms of positivity? How did you stay so positive throughout the chemo? Yeah, uh, look, I think uh, like everything, you've got to see the end game. Yeah. For me, uh, like I said, Shiv, I never thought I was gonna gonna pass away. Always thought I was gonna get out of this, and never let it change my life to the extent where it, it took me off my path. Um, since the age of seven, I've been on a mission. You know, and and my mission is to get there, and that never that never deviated in any way. It was just a bump in the road for me. Uh, so you know, I think a lot of that has to do with my upbringing, um, and my dad's done it quite tough, so his upbringing as well. You know, um, and so that that work ethic and determination kind of drove me there. Uh, I, I was classified, uh, I guess. Not, not cured, but in remission. And then three months later, the, the cancer came back as, um, again. Really? So, you know, uh, diagnosed in August, went through about six months of chemo. Uh, two months later, um, tumor comes back in the same spot, left thigh. Wow. And so you're hit again. And uh, this time what happens in anyone, uh, you know, in the cancer situation, you just can't actually hit, hit you again with another dose. When, when it comes back, You've got to, you know, look at other methods, and so had different types of things: um, stem cell transplants, bone marrow biopsies, and essentially got to a point where they take all your your blood cells out of your body, hit you with chemo, um, and put you in a, in a room for thirty days where you can't. You, if you were to remove yourself from that room, you'd be suspect to all the, you know, the, the people's germs and common yeah, colds yeah. that they have, and that, you know, that that puts you into a different situation where you don't want to be in. So. I uh, got to spend 30 days with myself. Actually worked those 30 days. I oh, hit, my yeah, gosh. Yeah. Um, and, and one thing that I just sort of joke about in hindsight is I hit my, you know, hit my quota. There you, you know, go. My quota 30 days. And, <laughs> and, really, and really rubbed it in my boss's face to make sure that I was doing it. So, you know, that, again, that drove me, you know, on the on the lap. It just it seems crazy to, you know, to, to a lot of people. But if I did not have that that distraction of work, I, I, I'm 
pretty sure that I did not would not get through it. So you bring yeah. you bring up a good point. My, when my dad passed away, my dad passed away about three years ago, and I went back to work right away. And I had friends and family just yelling at me, like, "What are you doing? Don't go back to work!" You know, rah rah rah. And my dad was such a positive person and such a hard worker. Very similar when you when you talk about your dad before, I was picturing my dad. Um, I knew I had to go back to work because yeah. I knew I had to stay distracted and just do something else because you're in the dark spot and, and you know you don't want to stay in a dark spot so when you find yourself nowadays I mean like, like I said you've been through all of this when you find yourself in a dark spot nowadays how do you get out of it? Um, look again I, I think I'm lucky enough to have enough distractions in my life mm-hmm. to actually shift shift my my dark spots if that makes sense so I haven't really had a situation where I've had dark spots all across different aspects of my life, which you know I'm extremely like, lucky for. But I think, as an example, when you have a tough day at work, you can leverage other things. Mm-hmm. Um, having a six-year-old and a three-year-old, um, you know, they're starting to really develop now and have their personalities where yeah. they can respond and, you know, they really recognize they have a dad, right? And I think, for me, um, it's not about me anymore. It's about, you know, my family and my kids. And so I think... You can really shift your dark spots. If you're having a tough tough day at work, well, then your family's always going to be there. You know, it's amazing when you have kids. You could have a really crap day at work uh, and you, you go home and, you know, their face lights up when you're home and, and, and automatically all your pain and problems that happen at work just just shift. And I think... I think that's um, you know that's one way. I have a, a you know, like I said, a, a hobby I would call it of technology. Um, I have a... Um, my special hobby is a little bit weird when it comes to technology. I like, I, I like to upgrade, you know, get the latest things. Yep. Um, and, you know, I guess I have a bit of a hobby in trying to sell all my existing technology to upgrade the next thing. And there used to be a TV show on, on, on cable a couple of years ago where, you know, you kind of like go from a lawnmower to a jet ski by just <laughs> trading with various people. And I've got huge... Um, just something I like to do for fun. When, when there's a new iPhone or a new MacBook that comes out, I look at, okay, well, what's my inventory of gadgets that I have at home and what yeah. can I sell on Gumtree or eBay and, and compile and, and get to the next thing. And so, yeah. you know, that, again, yeah, it's a silly thing to do, but it's just something that takes your mind off it. This year, my son's six. I've had the opportunity to take him to a lot of uh, NRL Panther games. It's been a, been a great thing for mm-hmm. me to do with him and, and bond with him. I live about 60 kilometres away from Penrith, so there's a lot you can talk about in the car. Yep. And, uh, you know, I think, Shiv, it's just about um, that. Everyone says it, that work-life balance, right? But I think it's harder than it seems. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once you master it, um, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's something that can really help you. What does, what does success mean to you? Um, it, it success for me has changed uh, over my course of career. I think success just means being the best I can be. Uh, and I know that's not tangible, but um, – and I say this to my team all the time. You're not always going to get the right outcome, but if there's 130% effort there, that's that's what I'm looking for. I mean, when I run a sales organisation, as you know, Shiv, some deals happen, some deals don't. Exactly. And uh, I care more about the – team member being able to tell me why it didn't happen or being across their business and knowing why it didn't happen than rather saying, I just don't know why it didn't happen. I think if the effort and energy is there, that the rest will come. And I think for me, it's just being the best person I can be. Mm-hmm. I think at this stage of my career, I just want to be a, a bit of a, an influential person to the people out there. I just want to make them successful. I've got a great team, yep. a very um, yeah, high energy young team that is hungry for just learning. And mm-hmm. that's the type of team that... Um, that, that works well with me and I think, you know, 
again, I've got a lot to offer in that space. So just making other people successful is where I'm at now. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's one of your best memories? I mean, what, what, what are you most proud of? I think, uh, you know, a, a lot of a lot of different things. I think, obviously, overcoming what I've overcome with the cancer thing. I, you know, I've got to be very careful. Sometimes you just take it for, for granted. It's a long time ago in my mind. Ten years ago, I often tend to forget about that that period of time and think, you know, it was easy to beat cancer. It, it wasn't, yeah. and I've got to remind myself every now and again as I think back. So I'm extremely proud of that moment. Um, I'm proud of the family I've got. You know, it wasn't easy. You know, with 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 cancer, you know, going through other methods to have kids, it made it very you know hard to have kids. For you sure. know. Um, yeah. an awesome time in my life, and just watching them them grow. I think from a professional level, you know, it sounds cheesy because I'm here, but um, as I said in the interview process at Cisco, it means so much for me to be here. It wasn't just a job for me; it yeah. was unfinished business. Yeah, you had this goal personal. 12, 15 years oh, ago. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, and there are some people here, my boss, you know, included that was here 10, 12 years ago. So he knows, you know, what it means to me. And I think for me, it's unfinished business, coming back home and really reproving myself, mm-hmm. right? And almost closing the loop on what I started 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. So it has multiple meanings for me. So, yeah, That's, it's not really one thing. Well, we're glad you're back. Yeah, great. That. <laughs> Thanks. Who are some of the people that you look up to? Some of your mentors? Yeah, so um, again, it's 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 the managers I've had. Uh, I ha- I can name names, and you you didn't mention a Canadian yeah. manager, by the way. So <laughs> yeah, you know, no Canadian. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, Canadians. You know, I've had I have the ability to work. You know, I have the fortune to work for a great uh, Canadian company, but but uh, but not a Canadian boss. But um, right. you know, there's been different different types of of managers and leaders. Um, I'm really focused on diversity, and so people like Sheryl Sandberg, oh, you know, I, yeah, you know, CEO of Facebook. I, I'm really amazing. interested to see. Yeah, you know, I love her TED talks and mm-hmm. what she's had to say in our marketplace. And she's obviously had some adversity in her life as well, losing her yeah, husband. Yeah, she and, has. And, and just the positivity. Yeah, and, and diversity is interesting to me because uh, if you look back at my career, my prior team, I had uh, nine females yep. and three males. And if you look back at all the people that I've managed, uh, they've mainly been female-dominated teams. Okay. And I haven't meant, I haven't intended that to be on purpose. It's just that I've worked, you know, I've worked well with great people, and I think. And that's that's a stat to be proud of. Yeah, and I think there's 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 definitely you know it's something that we need to recognise in our industry, and uh, it's something that I'm passionate about. So if I looked at Cheryl Sandberg, I think you know she's done a lot um, for, for for that, and uh, follow her with great interest. Um, yeah. Wow. What uh, and, and just going back to the cancer, I mean, you know, again, we, we I say the word adversity so many times. I've had a couple friends with cancer that have, that have passed away, and, and you know, I've seen a few friends go through it. It's not always easy, like you said. What advice do you have for people that currently have cancer, and, and even the families that have someone in their in their family going through cancer? It, so- it sounds tackish. If uh, a lot of people will, you'll hear say, you know, keep the positive energy, keep positive. Um, it's funny when you have cancer, you, you go from not hearing the word cancer mm-hmm. to every second word being cancer. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, what was really funny um, when I got the cancer was I'd turn on TV, there'd be, you know, a segment about cancer. I'd open the second page of the newspaper, cancer. And so it becomes, it's on your mind. You start and seeing it more, yep. Yeah, it's everywhere. And uh, you've got to be positive. Uh, that sounds easy to do. I know, I know it's hard. Um, I've been there, but. 
being in a positive frame of mind is key and having people around you that are positive is even even better. Mm-hmm. So um, you've always got to have that determination to, to get out of it. And, you know, as I've, I've given advice to a lot of people who have had the similar type of cancer to, to me and, so, and said, it, it's hard to see, you, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. But once you get there, everything else in your life becomes a whole lot easier and better and you become a better person for it and... You know, it's it's definitely had a huge impact on my life, but yep. in hindsight, a positive impact. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds crazy to say, you know, no, no, no. you know, I, you had, I, I you had cancer, but but it has helped me dramatically, and it's made and, you stronger. Yeah, and just not to take life for granted and respect. You know, I kind of feel like you know all the people that have done favors for me during that time. I now need to repay that. Yeah, and now it's yeah. your time exactly. Yeah, and again, it goes back to saying I had great leaders, great managers. My time to return the favor to my team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As I mentioned before, obviously a very impressive career so far, and you're just getting started. And for everyone listening, Luke looks like he's 25 years old. <laughs> so when you keep talking about 15 years ago, it's just I'm trying to picture you how you looked 15 years ago. Um, what's what are some advice that you have for for the younger generation just getting into the IT industry? Yeah, I think um, build your brand, build your relationships. Uh, don't turn down a coffee. You know, it, 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 every coffee leads to another opportunity or another conversation or um, your brand being out there. So your brand is on show 24-7, and I think, especially in our industry, uh, you don't know wh- who, who you're going to meet that's going to be able to open that door for you or get, get that opportunity for you. So I think you know, getting across as many people as you can um, is key. Um, I'm actually not a, uh, you know, one of the questions I commonly get is, what are my favorite books? Yep. I'm not a book reader, so I don't have any favorite books, and I don't read a lot of books, and I know that sounds really bad, but I'm more of an online sort of digital guy or yeah. TED Talk type of guy because things are changing so quickly that you know, I kind of feel books are a little bit outdated. So I think your ability to keep fresh and be online, you know, um, again, it just so helps that love of gadgets and distraction is, is you know, being online is, is key for me and that sort of helped my career. So just getting online and learning as much as you can and just the respect for people around you. Mm-hmm. Like one of the days where you know um, micromanagement and cracking the whip or ivory towers that 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 type of style is is out there you really have to get in the trenches uh, respect the two-way street uh, of of people around you because you just don't know where you're going to be in 10 15 20 years time and you don't know where they'll be so um you know that's that's kind of my advice um and just put in the hard work you know it, it sounds easy put in the hard work and and the rewards will be there good yeah Luke, listen, I want to thank you so much, man. This, is, this has been amazing. You're, you're obviously such a strong person, uh, very inspiring, and you continue to motivate me every time I step into the office. So thank you very much. Uh, how can people get in touch with you if they you know, if they need some advice and if they just want to chat with you? Sure. I'm um, on Facebook. Uh, also, my Twitter handle is at LPower. So happy to have any sort of one-on-one or you know, group conversations with anyone. Um, more than happy to help out and be uh, contactable. So awesome. thanks, you for being Uh, Hey, Luke, thank you very much. That's Luke Power, everybody. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you missed anything, do not worry. Log on to shivrad.com. That's S-H-I-V-R-A-D.com to listen to this podcast again. Check out the other episodes and, of course, check out the blog. Thanks, everyone. Until next time.